Sing that same chorus again, all together now. In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. In moments like these, I lift up my hands. I Set rushers come forward to receive our offering, and if you are visiting with us today, we'd appreciate so much if you take a moment to fill out a visitor's card. And there's a couple ways you can do that. If you were given a bulletin as you came in this morning, there's a little card in there you can tear out. If not, there are some cards located back of the pews. But we appreciate you being here, and like to send you a thank you letter and some information this week about the church. But thank you so much for being here. Good to have Sean and Alice from North Carolina. They're back home and. And for you that are newer, they were here for a number of years, and good to have them back. Donna, good to see you. 
Frankie and Daryl, good to see you up from Jacksonville, Florida, and others that are visiting with us this morning. We are glad that you're in the services. Let's pray and you give this morning and be faithful in your giving. Father, thank you for the joy of being able to give to you. Accept our giving as expression of our love. Continue to open our hearts up to what you have for us in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Giver of life, 
the King of all angels. He's greater by far, physician and healer. I am that I am, so righteous and holy. He's all that I
this old world's in such confusion. Hearts are failing everywhere, and sometimes it seems that God just doesn't I believed that the Christ who was slain on the cross 
has the power to change lives today. For he changed me completely, and a new life is mine. That is why by the cross I will stay. I believe that this life with its great mysteries surely someday will come to an end. But faith will conquer the darkness and death and will lead me at last to my friend. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. I believe whatever the Let's take our Bibles and be finding the book of Genesis chapter 21. The book of Genesis chapter 21. And we'll look at a few verses of Scripture this morning. While you're finding your place, let me just make mention of a couple of things. Today is Brother Brian's birthday. I think he's 29, something like that, 31. Brian, would you stand? Let's show our appreciation to Brother Brian. Happy birthday, Brother Brian. We'll be having a fellowship for him after the service tonight, so I want to encourage you to be back tonight and bring your goodies and different things, and we'll also have a way for you to give money. You'll get him a card and different thing and sh- things and show your love and appreciation to Brian 
uh, through this day on his birthday. Also, just let me remind you that our theme for the month of August and the month of September is let's have a fall revival. We talked about it on Wednesday night, shared with uh, the folks here on Wednesday night a few things that's going on and different things. But uh, throughout the month of August and September, we are going to focus upon a lot of different things. But everything, uh, just to be a time of refreshing, a time of rekindling, a time of stirring our hearts, and just really to say, let's have a fall revival. Amen? And just praying that God will do special things for us. Beginning the second Sunday in August, I'm going to begin a series of messages on Sunday morning, emphasizing the family, our home improvement series. And so we'll be dealing with the family on Sunday mornings for several weeks. We're having classes on Wednesday night, focusing upon different areas in the family. So all of these things going on in the month of August. In September, of course, got a lot of things coming in September. On Sunday night, September the 10th, mark this on your calendar, Tim Lee will be with us again. Also, beginning the following Sunday, the 17th, is our homecoming as well as the beginning of our Bible conference. And so a lot of things, a lot of things that we've got planned. But it's all just to really stir ourselves and get stirred about what we need to do. In other words, let's have a fall revival. Amen? I want to meet with all the teachers at 6 o'clock. If you'll meet me tonight, all the teachers and uh, uh, leaders and different things in different areas and groups like that, if you'll meet me at 6 o'clock in the believers class, I will share more with you about that. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Let's stand as we honor the reading of His Word. As you know, for a few Sunday mornings, I have been sharing with you thoughts about women from the Bible or lessons from women in the Bible, the Word of God. And we've been looking at some women and trying to glean from events in their life and incidents in their lives. And we've learned a few things and, and several wonderful truths. For example, we looked at one woman and we learned from her that God can supply our needs. Now, I don't care who you are and I don't care what your needs are. The promise of God's word that my God shall supply your need according to his uh, through his son, Christ Jesus, is still in the Bible. Do you believe that? Amen. He's able to supply your needs according to his riches and glory. We also learned from a woman that God is able to bring our children back. What a wonderful lesson we learned there. And we looked at the story of the woman whose son died, but how she uh, sought God, and through certain ways, God brought her child back. And we learned lessons there about our children that are away from God. And I know that many of you have children that are away from the Lord and you are praying for them. But that woman reminds us and teaches us that God can bring our children back. And then a Sunday week ago, we thought about a woman that reminded us that God can answer prayer. If we pray inside the will of God and we seek God according to His will, God will hear and answer our prayer. That's His promise, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us, and if he heareth us, we have the things that we ask for. That's a promise. And so that lady taught us that God can answer prayer. I want us to look this morning at a woman that teaches us that God can heal a broken heart. I want you to look in beginning in verse 12 of chapter 21. And this morning we're going to think about a woman by the name of Hagar. And we're going to learn some things about Hagar and we're going to see how God, in a very difficult time in her life, met her need and healed her broken heart. Genesis 21, verse 12. The Scripture said, God said unto Abraham, 
Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he took bread and a bottle of water, and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and set her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bowshot. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew, and dwelt in the wilderness, and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's look at this story in Genesis 21, and let's think today about a woman that teaches us that God can heal a broken heart. Let's pray. Our Father, as we gather here this morning, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for these wonderful women that we have looked at over the past several weeks. Women, Lord, that teach us wonderful things about you. Women that remind us of what you can do in our life. Women that remind us that you can meet the needs of our life. Women that remind us, Lord, that you are able to answer our prayers, that you are able to bring our wandering children back to you. Father, this woman today reminds us that oftentimes our hearts are broken, but that you are a God that can heal our broken hearts. So today, give us a word from you. I pray today that you'd let me be your servant and that my words would be your words and that what I have to say will be anointed of you and will be a tool in your hands to meet the need of everyone in this room today. Thank you again for your word and we thank you for allowing us to share it. Help us to hear it now in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake we pray, amen. I think about a letter that a young man sent to his mom. He's a young man that had just been drafted into the army. And shortly after being drafted in the army, he sent his mother this letter. He said, Dear Mom, you know they drafted me into this man's army against my wishes. They took away my name and they gave me a number. My number is 298, 298. Ever since I have been here, all we have done is march. We march all morning. We march to chow. We march in the afternoon. We march even in the dark. And we march so much that when I go to bed, I am so tired that I can't even go to sleep. He said, the only thing that has kept me going is the thought that on Sunday I would be able to rest a little bit 
and to sleep a little bit longer. But yesterday, on Saturday, the sergeant informed us that we were getting up two hours earlier, and we were going to march, and we would eventually march to church. Well, we marched to church on Sunday morning, and I sat down in the pew, and I closed my eyes, and I was getting ready for a little siesta, when all of a sudden, this fellow down front got up with a book in his hand, and he said, 298. He said, are you weak and weary? Are you heavy laden and sore? He said, I stood up and said, you're mighty right I am. And since I've been in this man's army, you're the first person that cared enough to even ask me about it. And mom, ever since, I've been in the brig. Can I get an amen right there? Well, there may be some of you in this room this morning that are weak and weary. And there may be some of you that are heavy laden. There may be some of you today that are weary from the recent experiences of life. There may be some of you today that are weary from the things that you have gone through or the things that you are going through, things that have broken your heart and left you with a grieving soul. I think about the story before is in Genesis chapter 21. There are many wonderful lessons to glean from this story. In fact, I could spend weeks just taking this one story and pulling lessons out of it. I think about the background of the story in Genesis 21. It is a story of Abraham and Sarah running ahead of God. You see, God had given Abraham and Sarah a promise. It was a promise that he was going to give them a child. And in that seed would come the nation Israel and so on. But God gave them a promise that he was going to give them a child. The years began to pass by, still no child. Abraham and Sarah found themselves getting up in years and still no child. They knew what God had said, but as they were getting older, they began to get concerned that maybe they would not be able to have a child. So what they decided to do was to take things into their own hands. You read the account in chapter 16, verses 1, 2, and 3, if you turn there and look at it for just a moment. But the Bible said in Genesis 16, verse 1, that Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abraham, or Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into mine maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Again, they had no child, Abraham and Sarah. And so they decided to take matters in their own hands. And so one day Sarai, Sarah, asked her handmaiden Hagar if she would be a surrogate mother, if she would be a wife to her husband so that they could have a child. That was not unusual in those days. Well, as you go on and you read in the story, uh, you'll find that uh, Hagar gave birth to a son by the name of Ishmael. And no sooner was that boy born than trouble began to brew in the family. In fact, all the problems you have going on in the Middle East today, you can find the origin of them right here in this story in Genesis 16 and Genesis 21. All of the problems going on in the Middle East, and I hate to disappoint our dear president, but there will not be a real peace agreement in the Middle East. And it's all kinds of problems, and it goes back to this story. Abraham and Sarah would not wait upon God. They would not leave the matter in God's hands. They would not wait for God to fulfill His Word in His own time and in His own way. So they took matters in their own hands. Ishmael was born, and trouble began to brew. 
You'll find in chapter, in verses chapter, uh, chapter 21, verse 9 and 10, that when Isaac was born, that things began to escalate. We read in verse 9 of chapter 21 that Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian which she had born unto Abraham mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. From the time he was born to Genesis 21, it is trouble. And it escalates to the point that she is driven out in Genesis chapter 21. Now, let me just interject this, and then I'll get right into the message. From a divine standpoint, the separation was necessary. It was in Isaac that God's seed or Abraham's seed would be called. From a divine point of view, what happened in Genesis 21 had to happen. It couldn't have been in any other way. It had to happen. But from a human standpoint, and looking at it through Hagar's eyes, it was a tragic and a terrible experience for her to go through. It was an experience that left her with a broken heart. Saying all that, let me point out three things from the text today. The first thing that I want you to glean from the story is this. I think about the things that devastate us. I think about how oftentimes there in life that happen that devastate us. I dare, I dare say there's anybody in this building today that has not gone through something in your life that broke your heart. Something that happened in your life that was devastating. Rarely will anybody go through life and not be devastated by something that happens. Hagar was no stranger to a broken heart. Hagar was no stranger to things that devastate one another. I think about the story and I look at the story and I think of a couple of things that can be devastating in life. For one thing, I think of how devastating it can be when we become the objects of someone's resentment. I think about how devastating it can be when someone begins to vent their jealousy and their envy and resentment in our direction. Back in chapter 16, you notice verse 4 and 6. Verse 4, 5, and 6. Look at the story. You read in verse 4 that he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid in thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord's judge between me and thee. But Abraham said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thine hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. Now you see the word despised there. It's a word that means to make light of. I think maybe in Hagar's mind, she got to thinking, I've been a maid, a handmaid, and I've been somewhat a servant, a slave in the household of Abraham and Sarah. Now I'm a wife. I've been able to give birth to a child, and Sarah hasn't been, done, hasn't been able to do so. And so she begins to take lightly her role and her position and whatever there, and it began to irritate uh, Sarah. But when you look at Hagar's behavior there, you don't excuse it. But the real problem in the story is this. It was the response of Sarah to how Hagar behaved. You see, the whole problem in the story is the is a problem of jealousy. What you have here is Sarah jealous over the fact that Hagar had been able to give birth to a child. She had not been able to give birth to a child. And so what you find is her venting her jealousy on Hagar. Verse 6, it said, she dealt heartily with her. And that word hardly means to look down upon. It would be a word that would be very descriptive of what we would say today. She began to browbeat her. 
Day after day, she just put her down. We might say that day after day, she treated her like a dog. And things got so bad that at one point, Hagar ran away. She eventually would come back. But here is Hagar. She finds herself the object of Sarah's resentment. She finds herself the object of Sarah's envy and of Sarah's jealousy. Shakespeare said of jealousy that it is the green sickness. Jealousy has often been called the green-eyed monster. Bacon admitted that it has no holidays. And Horace declared that tyrants never invented a greater torment. Someone has said of jealousy that it always finds a target at which to shoot and a pretense upon which to fire. It may be today that somebody in this room that you have become the target of someone's jealousy. It may be today that somebody that you have become the target of someone's envy and their resentment. You get a job promotion and you might find yourself being the target of someone's jealousy. You might get recognition that someone else doesn't get, and they begin to vent their jealousy towards you. Even in church, it's, it's not rare for someone to get jealous over somebody else's success or their position or their blessings in their life. Someone gets to sing a little more than others, or someone gets recognized a little bit more than others. It's not rare for someone to become jealous and someone to become the object of someone's jealousy. You see, it can be very devastating when you become the object of someone's jealousy. Like Hagar, you become the target of verbal assaults and mean looks and cold shoulders. It can be devastating. It can also be devastating, second of all, when we become the objects of someone's rage. Not only someone's resentment, but someone's rage. Someone has said, those who are green with envy often become red with rage. And that was the case of Sarah. She was not only jealous, and she vented her jealousy upon Hagar, but she also was filled with anger. We looked at it in chapter 21 in verse 10. She said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. In chapter 16, Hagar ran away because of how Sarah treated her. Now in chapter 21, she's forced out. And the word cast there is a very strong word. It was a word sometimes used to speak about divorce. You see, not only did Sarah treat Hagar like a dog, heartily with her, as chapter 16 said, but in chapter 21, she drives her out of house and home. She says to Abraham, I want you to kick her out in the street. Now you think about this for just a moment. Imagine there was a day, Hagar, she's been a handmaid, she's worked to help Sarah, work around the house, she's been a servant to them, employed by them and whatever. But one day at the breakfast table, Sarah and Abraham were talking. And Sarah says, you know, we've not been able to have a child. I wish I could give you a child. God said he's going to give us a child, but it doesn't look like I'm going to be the one through which God is going to give you that son. But I've got an idea. And she made the suggestion to Abraham, and I can see Abraham said, oh, I'm not so sure about that. But they began to talk about it a little bit more, and Abraham agreed to it. And so one day Sarah calls Hagar in and says, Hagar, I want you to do something for me. I want you to be a wife to my husband. I want you to be a surrogate mother to my child. Will you be that? And I wonder if Hagar didn't say, I, I don't know. I'm not so sure that I should do that. But I think after time, Sarah convinced her this is what you ought to do. Do it for me. Do it for me and Abraham. Do it for us. We would appreciate it so much. And so Hagar did what her masters asked her to do. Now she has become the object of her resentment. 
She has done the thing that they wanted her to do. She's been a willing part to what they ask. She is trying to please them. But what has she got in return? Nothing but resentment and nothing but anger. Her rage has been vented toward her. You look in verse 9 of the story. Chapter 21, Sarah saw Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. You see, what happened in chapter 21 was not even of Hagar's doing. It was her son Ishmael that was mocking. And when Sarah saw the way Ishmael was treating her baby boy Isaac, then she vented her rage and vented her anger in the direction of Hagar. I'm sure she wondered, what have I done? When all of a sudden she gets the news that you need to pack up everything, you are leaving, you're being kicked out. She became the object of her rage. It may be that some of you in this room today, there's been a time in your life that you have become the object of somebody's rage. Maybe somebody's anger towards you, and that anger was vented with cruel words, and that anger was vented in your direction in, in very cruel ways. And maybe you're even wondering, what did I do to this individual? I can't recall ever doing anything to hurt this individual, but this individual won't even speak to me. This individual treats me like I'm a dog. This individual cuts me in two with their eyes, and I don't even know what I've done. You see, sometimes the way you are treated by others can be very, very devastating. And I dare the things that can devastate us, the things that can be devastating in life. But look at something else in this story. When I look at the story, I not only think of the things that can devastate us, but I also think of the times that can distress us. Look in verse 14, chapter 21. The Bible said that Abraham rose up early in the morning and he took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away, kicked her out. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Bathsheba. You see, there were not only the things that were devastating to Hagar, but now she found herself in a place and found her in herself, found herself in a time that was very, very distressing. It may be again that in this room today, some of you are finding yourself or have found yourself in a very, very distressing time. I think about the story, and I think about that which could cause distress in our life. For example, look at verse 14. First, there is the difficult times of life. She found herself wandering in the wilderness of Bersheba, a hot, dry, arid, weary wasteland. And she had nothing but a few belongings and a little bit of food that had been given to her and a little water skin called a bottle in our, in our Bible here, but a water skin. That's all she had. But here she is now in a very difficult place, wandering in the wilderness of Bathsheba, a rocky place, a dry, arid wasteland. I can imagine that that water and that little water skin became precious every single hour, especially in a place where there was very little water. And I can think, think, imagine that they drank sparingly of every little drop. Why? She was in a very, very difficult place. Are you in a wilderness today? Are you going through something in your life that is like a wilderness? There are the things that are devastating to us, but there are the times that are distressing to us. Your wilderness today may be a physical wilderness. Maybe recently you've got a bad doctor's report. And what has been such a wonderful life for you suddenly has become so clouded 
and clouded with uncertainty. You don't know. The spot they saw on the x-ray, the uncertainty about this, not knowing exactly what's going on, future tests to be run, and you live under that cloud of a physical wilderness or that cloud of physical uncertainty. You don't know. It may be that it's your loved ones going through something. Maybe there's cancer or something else. But it may be your wilderness today is a physical wilderness. It may be your wilderness is a financial wilderness. As I have so often said, maybe you've got more month than there is money. And you don't know how to make ends meet, and the bills are piling up every month. Maybe your financial difficulties is not of your own doing. Maybe you, you can't help the situation you're in, but yet you are living in a financial wilderness. You don't know how, where to turn, what to do. And every day is getting worse, and you seem to get farther and farther behind. It may be your wilderness is physical. It may be your wilderness is financial. It may be your wilderness is emotional. Maybe you're at the point where you've had all you can take. You can't carry anymore. You can't handle this thing anymore. You feel like in your mind you're about ready to snap. You've battled with this and you've fought with that and you've struggled with this and this has been your burden and this has been your trial. And on the inside, your soul has been a raging sea. Maybe it's an emotional wilderness that you're going in. Maybe you're in. Maybe it's a marital wilderness. Maybe things are not well on the home front. Maybe things are serious down at the home. Maybe that a wife just walked out on you. Maybe that a husband just walked out on you. It may be that there's a marital wilderness that you're going through. It may be your wilderness is spiritual. It may be that it seems like God is a thousand miles away. You think about all the needs in your life and you seek God and you turn to God and you trust God, but it seems like the heavens are brass above your head and the earth is iron beneath your feet and God doesn't seem to care. It may be today you're going through a difficult time. You're finding yourself in a wilderness. They're not only the difficult times of life, but look also in verse 15. They're the desperate times in life. Look at verse 15. The Bible said in chapter 21 and beginning in verse 15, And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and set her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. Look at verse 15. That little water skin that had been given to her now is empty. That which has sustained her in the difficult place is now gone. The water is spent. The water is empty. She looks around, there is nothing but wasteland all around her as far as the eye can see. No water. Her resources to live and to exist are now depleted. Verse 16 said that she went over. And I can imagine what is going on is that this child and both, both her and the child are so weakened from the heat and so weakened from the elements around her, and especially her child. She goes over and finds a little shrub and she sets that boy down. And then she goes a good way off like shooting a bow, an arrow, because she don't want to see the child die. She don't want to watch him die. She don't want to watch him suffer in the blistering heat. She don't want to hear his whimpering. She don't want to hear his crying. And so she lovingly places him under a shrub and goes off so she can't see or hear the child die. You see, she's got to a place that she's absolutely helpless. She's got to a place that she is absolutely hopeless. All of her resources are depleted. The desperate times in life. We find ourselves in those difficult times. 
And we find ourselves in those desperate times. It's not just a burden. It's an emergency. It's not just that I've got a heavy heart. It's that you've got a broken heart. This is, this is urgent. This, I am desperate. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. I dare say that there's not a one in this room that hasn't been at one time in your life in one of those desperate places. There are not only the things that can devastate us, but there are also the times that can distress us. Are you with me now? Say amen. But there's a third and a final thing I want to point out, and I'm glad that I can. There are the truths that delight us. There are the things that can devastate us, yes. And there are the times that can distress us. But there are truths that can delight us. For you look at the story here, and I remind you this morning, blessed be God, there are wonderful truths in God's Word to strengthen us in those difficult and desperate times. For there's something interesting that I saw in reading this text this week. Four times you find two words in the story. And the two words are, and... God. Verse 12 begins, and God. Verse 17 begins, and God. Verse 19 begins, and God. Verse 20 begins, and God. Now look at me. Here is Hagar in a difficult time in her life. Here is Hagar in a distressful, desperate time in her life. But in that time, there is God. Now listen to me. What does those two words and God testify to? One, they testify of God's presence. I want you to understand something this morning. Hagar was not alone. Hagar was out there in the wilderness, yes. But I want you to know she was not alone. There was a God that was with her in the wilderness. And I don't know what your wilderness is today. There may, be, may have been something that happened recently that has been devastating to you. It may have been the object of someone's... You may have been the object of someone's resentment. It may have been someone's anger. It may have been something totally different. But maybe there has been something that has been devastating in your life. And maybe you're going through a very difficult and even a desperate time in your life. I want you to understand something. You are not alone in your experience. There is a God that said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God is always there regardless of where we're at. There is the presence of God. I think about a preacher by the name of E.J. Rollins. Rollins was a faithful servant of God. And he often preached on God's presence and the faithfulness of God's presence. And he often encouraged his congregations that no matter what they were going through, God's grace was sufficient. And he often reminded them that God would never leave them and that God would never forsake them. He was a faithful servant of God with a tender heart, always reminding his people of the love of God and of the presence of God. But there came a time in Rowling's life that he found himself being buffeted and tossed about, tossed to and fro on the ways of despair. He found himself asking the questions. He found himself beginning to ask why. Why are you letting this happen in my life, God? Why are you not hearing my prayers? Why are you not moving in my, on, my, on my part? He even began to wonder if God did care about him. 
And he that had so encouraged people through the years that God's grace is sufficient and he'll never leave you even began to wonder if God cared and if he was even near. But in the midst of his experience one day, he got a letter. And in his own words, he said it had a U.S. postmark on it. But he said that letter actually was sent from heaven for me. It was from a preacher friend that had heard about his circumstances. And the preacher friend wrote him and just wanted him to know that he was praying for him. And he said to him in the letter that he felt led to write him and to remind him that though things looked hopeless, and even though he felt alone and was surrounded by the shadows of doubt and despair, he said to him, just remember that standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. Roland said, that letter was a word from God to my own soul. And surely after Rollins gave us these wonderful words, are there crosses too heavy to carry and burdens too heavy to bear? Are there heartaches and tears and anguish and no one seems to care? Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's a friend who always cares and understands. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus, and you'll know him by the nail prints in his hands. I want to say to you this morning, what is this? What do these words testify to? They testify that we are not abandoned by God in the difficult times of life. And God does not leave us in the devastating times of life. But He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. That's the promise of God. Can I get an amen there? He is there. It testifies of the presence of God. But it also testifies of the provision of God. Look at verse 19 of chapter 21. Verse 19, the Bible said, And God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. I love this. When her water bottle was empty, God didn't fill her water bottle. He gave her a well. Just when she needed him the most, God gave her what she needed. She had been devastated because she had been the object of someone's resentment. It had been devastating to her when she had become the object of someone's rage, someone's jealousy, someone's anger, led to her being kicked out in the street, wandering in the wilderness, ending up in a difficult, in a very desperate place. But oh, just when she needed him the most, she found that God would be there and that he would meet her every need. Are you listening to me this morning? I don't know what your need is. I don't know what your wilderness may be, but I want you to listen to Hagar. Hagar, would you please come and give us a word today? Hagar, would you testify to all of our hearts? Hagar, would you give us a word today? What would Hagar say to us? She would say that God can heal a broken heart, that no matter where you are or what you're going through, that God will never leave you nor forsake you, and that he'll always give you what you need, when you need it, where you are at. She teaches us that God can heal a broken heart. I don't know your needs. I don't know all of your needs. I know many of your needs. Being your pastor, I am privy many times to knowing things that other people don't. And I know some of your hearts are heavy. And I know some of your hearts are broken. But I want you to know this. You are not alone. God is there. 
And when you think you can't go any longer, just remember this. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. Let's stand to our feet, please. There is a woman that teaches us that God can supply our needs. There is a woman that teaches us that God can bring our children back. There is a woman that teaches us that God can answer prayer. But this woman teaches us that God can heal a broken heart. Do you need him today? Then look to him. Would you accept this as a word from God today to your broken heart? Maybe there's something that's been devastating to you. Maybe there's something that's happened in life that has knocked the props out from under you. Your comfortable world has been shattered. But I want you to know, God knows where you are and He knows what you need. And this may be a difficult time in your life. It may be a desperate time in your life. But I want you to know, God's got wells of water for you. God's got a well for you. God's got what you need right where you are. You don't read in the story that he took Hagar out of the wilderness, but he did meet her knees in the wilderness. And God may not bring you out of your wilderness today. He may not bring you out of your wilderness tomorrow, but I'm going to promise you one thing. He will give you a well in the wilderness. And what some of you need to do is to bring your heart. Forget your pride. Forget who's around here. Forget who might see you. Get up out of your seat and come and bring your broken heart to God and draw from wells of living water. Come and let God be your friend. Let God be your strength. Let God be your peace. Let God be your resource in this time in your life. God can heal a broken heart. Father, this morning in Jesus' name, Lord, we've all had our hearts broken. There's not a one in this room that's not had their heart broken. To lose a loved one is a, can be a very devastating experience. To see our loved ones suffer can be a very difficult thing. Father, to go through things in life, maybe the mistreatment that we receive from others, all these things are hard. But dear God, you were watching Every moment Hagar was in that wilderness. You were watching that little boy. You were watching her. And when that little child began to whimper, God, you hasten to meet their need. And I know today that you'll do the same for somebody in this room today. God, let us give you our broken hearts. May all over this building today, those who are going through difficult times, even desperate times, their hearts are broken. God, may they come to you. You are the only one. You are the only one that can heal a broken heart. So, Father, today, in Jesus' name, do what human beings cannot do, heal a broken heart. We're grateful, Lord, for those that you've given us in this life to take care of our physical heart, doctors and hospitals and medicines. But only you can heal a broken heart. So today, I pray that you'll let somebody find a well. Maybe somebody's water skin is empty. Maybe their bottle is empty. Their resources are depleted. They're hopeless and helpless. But give them what they need. Lord Jesus, be to them what they need. In Jesus' name, amen.